Hey, I'm Jamie Glowacki, and you are listening to Oh Crap, I Love My Toddler, But Holy Fuck. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F-bomb a lot. Hey, hey, welcome. You're listening to Oh Crap. I love my toddler, but holy fuck. I am your host, Jamie Glowacki, and I am thrilled to be back after a very long hiatus, which I will say more about towards the end of this episode. So today is April 6th, Monday, 2020, and of course, we are parenting in a pandemic. And so if you're listening to this in the future, this might shed some light on our current struggles. So golly, I think this all started to hit really about four weeks ago, depending on where you live, maybe three weeks ago. I know almost four and a half weeks ago, I was at Great Wolf Lodge with my son and his friend, and word of the coronavirus had just sort of started to pick up a little bit. And I remember thinking, ew, this is like the worst place in the world to be, (laughs) right? Great Wolf Lodge. I'd never been before, so that was like a shock to me of of how germ potential it was, (laughs) But when this all started to hit, I think it was it was a Thursday here in Rhode Island when I felt the panic. You know, there was the panic buying and it and it was reaching a fevered pitch. And schools hadn't been canceled yet, but that Friday schools were canceled. And it was crazy. That weekend was crazy. That's when all those color-coded schedules came out. Remember that fun time? <laughs> so everybody was like, oh my God, we have to get a handle on this because schools were getting canceled and people wanted schedules and routine. And there was this part of me that was like, oh my God, I'm so excited for this time. Like we're going to be home with our kids and maybe we're going to get some of this benign neglect parenting back. And you guys know how I feel about overscheduling, right? And so... I always think we can do with a dash more of like the Generation X parenting, which is like, uh, you know, leave me alone. Just be go find go figure it out for yourself, right? One of the reasons I love Stranger Things is because that's exactly how my childhood was. I'm pretty sure we could have battled aliens from another planet or a dark force from the uh, upside down, and our parents would not have even known. <laughs> so, of course, you know, that wasn't all that great parenting. And, you know, our pendulum has swung all the way to hypervigilant, overscheduled parenting. And so I was kind of hoping not to minimize any of the deaths or the damage, the emotional damage, the financial damage that coronavirus has wrought upon all of us. But in the beginning there, I was like, well, maybe we'll all just learn to be a little more chill because we have to when our kids are with us 24 hours. So we did get flooded. We got flooded that weekend with um, educational content. And oh my God, I just remember feeling so overwhelmed. And I have a kid who's not, you know, I've been homeschooling for 10 years. I've been working from home from 10 years. I've got this pretty well down, but it was so overwhelming. The amount of things that were showing up online and some were educational, but I know so many things tried to tried to replace their in-person activities with online versions. So like 4-H, for example, and it's interesting because my son kind of has no interest in 4-H online version. It's It's the actual meeting with friends that makes it so special, you know? So anyway, we had all this like online stuff being thrown at us and I felt like, God, we all just are so overwhelmed. And I started to see these comments on my business page and, you know, it's like, can somebody recommend a curriculum for my two-year-old? Can somebody recommend a curriculum for my three-year-old? Can someone recommend, you know, something I have to work all day and something to keep my kid busy? So I wanted to address a couple of things in this episode. And one of them most certainly is your two or three-year-old 
I would venture to say your under five-year-old does not need a curriculum, you guys. They really don't need a curriculum. Kids are always learning. And if it suits your family to do some worksheets or your kid's like super anxious to learn how to write their name, go for it, go with the flow. But really in this time, read, 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 sing, be together. It's okay that they're going to be part of your daily life and up your ass like no one's business right now. So don't stress yourself out with like, quote unquote, educational content. It's really not necessary for this age group. And don't stress yourself out. So many parents are finding their kids cannot handle the online classes, like the online preschool classes or dance classes. So, you know, if your preschool teacher wants to check in on Zoom and say hi, that's fabulous. But to try to get your kids to sit and do like this concrete learning, now's not the time. If you need to go listen to my homeschool episode again, please do so. But really, you guys know this. It's when you put on your teacher voice, your kid just zones out. It the the most precious things are learned and and learned for good. It's like when you're in the car and you know your little one says, "Mommy, what's a soul?" and you're like, "Holy crap." <laughs> right? Or, you know, "Mommy, what's that building?" and you you just kind of talk about things. That's when kids really learn. So don't get caught up in this educational content sweep and don't certainly let it overwhelm you. There are a couple of things that I'm seeing right now and I see this both, you know, of course, on social media for my business, but also my personal life. I also see it in my private clients and my group coaching clients. And so I really wanted to talk about these two things. And one is justifying things as educational. (laughs) And the other is learning how to be together. So the justifying the educational is really coming with screen time. And Screen time is so different for every kid right now. Some kids do need it for school. Some older kids, like even if you're, you have a little guy in the house, some of the older kids might be doing online schooling, you know, distance learning. Some kids need it as downtime to help self-regulate themselves. And yes, some parents need it as a babysitter. And that's all okay. So when all this educational content started being thrown at us online, the like, I call it the Pinterest mom, and I don't mean to insult anybody who's a Pinterest mom, but this like idea that, you know, how everybody presents on Instagram. It's like, oh, look at me. I'm doing the fabulous baking with my kid, or I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And it can make you feel like shit because you're like, holy crap, I'm like barely keeping it together here. I'm still in my pajamas and it's noon. So that like, it's not really FOMO, but that like keep up with the Joneses was really real. I want to go off on a tangent here about the screen time because while I'm not a screen time pusher, you know what? I am for this instance because there's like a lot going on and we have to be really gentle with ourselves. And here's here's a quick tangent. I know we're a few weeks into this and some people have really sort of, you know, they've gotten their routine pretty down by this point, even if it's, you know, large swaths of time, not a really particular routine. I still see this whole time as the stages of grief. And so I think what's happening, I see this happening this week, is there's a lot of grief in the air because it's really striking us on just how much we're missing out, how much we're losing. And I know in my own personal life, I have friends whose parents, one parent died, they can't go to the funeral. There's 
so many, it's just awful. We're missing births and deaths and graduations and anniversaries and birthday parties and huge trips and honeymoons. And so we are in this grief period and there are seven stages to grief. There's shock or disbelief. There's denial. There's guilt. There's anger slash bargaining. There's depression slash loneliness. There's reconstruction or working it through. And then there's acceptance. And I know we're all bouncing around through these various things. Like it can be any given thing at any given time. But what I want to address is this problem I'm seeing. And I call this, it's the anger bargaining stage. And I'm seeing this in so many families. And every family, by the way, has like their own dynamic. It just depends on how many kids you have, how many kids have to do structured distance learning, how many computers you have, how many parents are working. And I just in my private client caseload, I have seen everything. You know, dad is a frontline worker and needs to be quarantined in the basement. Mom is a frontline worker, needs to be quarantined when she comes home. Both parents have to work. One parent's still working outside the home. One parent has to be online, recorded online in meetings all day long. And there's these kids. There's no childcare. It's it's really quite a mess. And so daily, I'm inundated with people asking me, you know, what do I do? What can I do about this? And I'm like, dude, you got to put on Frozen. They're like, no. I see parents negotiating with the idea that I've avoided screen time all this time. I am not going to give into it now. Or that screen time creates like really shitty behavior in their kids. This is a non-solvable problem, you guys. If you have to work and you have a child under the age of five, you have to give them some screen time. Like it's a non-solvable problem because there's no way we can expect a little one to entertain themselves for any length of time that you would be working. And I see parents struggling with this and trying to negotiate this with like, you know, tell me, give me something that they can do. You have to tell me how to teach her to play independently. That is so developmentally inappropriate. You might as well ask your three-year-old to write a college essay. They're incapable of it. So you can't do it. And maybe in yesteryear, they could have gone outside and played with the neighbor's kids, but they can't even do that now. So it's this bargaining stage. But there's another part to this that is worrisome. And that is if you keep running running yourself in circles, looking for a solution that doesn't exist, you're feeding your own anxiety. You're like, but, 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 but I know there's an answer. There really isn't an answer. And I've tried. I've covered all the bases for you. There is no answer. You really do need your child to be glued to the screen. You need that babysitter right now. And so I'm being I'm being very firm because I'm still working with parents who are really not understanding that. And It's a necessity right now. And I'm sure you're providing a loving home. And I know when this is over, you can throw out all the electronics. There's, we'll be able to clean up this emotional mess. And trust me, there's going to be a huge emotional mess as well as financial mess here to like clean up when this is all passed. But to keep running around in circles looking for a solution that doesn't exist is crazy making. And so it's that anger bargaining stage of grief. And so you just kind of have to sit. You have to sit with your grief and say, you know what, my kid, this is what my kid has to do right now. And it sucks. And I wish it were different. But that's how it is. I would like to think that more and more bosses are understanding that everybody's situation is so screwy right now that they'd be like, yeah, okay, do, you know, your kid can be on your lap. That's fine. But I'm still hearing reports that 
it's very different. I also see moms that are just like racked with guilt about this, you know, like I congratulate you. You did a really good job with screen time, but if you have to use it as a babysitter, you just can't feel guilty about it. So there's no point. There's just no point of being guilty. I just, I feel like I just want to give you guys all a big hug over the airways here. So again, there's really no curriculum. Uh, That's another thing I get. I really need a curriculum to keep them busy. Again, you can buy, you can get a curriculum, you guys, for a three-year-old. They sell them, but it's still not going to keep your kid busy. And they're still going to need your help. Even if you have a kid who's super academically inclined and it's like, mommy, I want to, I want another worksheet, which is rare, but you could have that kid. They're still going to need your help, right? So again, it's the independent play is really inappropriate developmentally. Just know that. The other thing is, you guys, you don't have to stress. I had, I had a mom, like it was all capital. So she was like, I feel so useless being in charge of their education. And I was like, holy shit, take a breath. You are not in charge of their education. You're really not. Like they're going to have 12 to 18 years of schooling. This three-month period really doesn't matter. You're not in charge of their education. Just love them. And you know, if you did listen to my homeschooling episode, I'm, I maintain you guys were all homeschooling, all of us. It's just some people do it part-time and sometimes people do it full-time. And if you have a little one that's home with you, a three-year-old that's home and doesn't have preschool or something, yeah, you're homeschooling. It's life. It's all life. So just take a deep breath and recognize that they're going to be fine. And there is a bunch of content online. You know, there's yoga kids classes, there's art classes, there's all this kind of fun stuff, but that frozen on repeat is also okay too. So I just want to give that blanket permission. And I really just don't want you running around in circles, getting yourself more and more anxious because it's really not going to serve anyone. Now, the next thing, learning how to be together. So there's quite a few components to this. One of the things that's pretty shocking is the clients I'm getting right now are saying, you know, I do both potty training and parenting and they're saying, you know, well, my son started to hit us, you know, it started about two weeks ago or my kid was potty trained and then started having accidents about two weeks ago or my son started to stutter about two weeks ago. And I go, okay, so what do you think happened two weeks ago? And the parents will say, I I don't know. I can't, I can't really figure it out. And I'm like, you guys, a global pandemic started two weeks ago. So so we have this like new container, which like AD and BC, we're going to call like before pandemic and after pandemic. So if you're dealing with shitty behavior, you got to look at it like, did this behavior crop up during this pandemic time? Yeah. And what might my child be trying to say? So there's a freaky thing that's happening, which people assume that because they haven't, you know, they don't have television or that their kids are too little, that they don't really know what's going on. They know what's going on, even if they don't have a name for it. Kids are like dogs in their sensing of nonverbal communication, right? They're crazy good at it because they don't have a whole lot of skills yet. So they pick up on all the vibe. There is a collective crazy anxiety vibe. There is also a collective, it's different. It's just different. Mom and dad are home all day. Dad might be working downstairs. Mom might be working upstairs. You can't go in mom's room. Like it's just nuts. It's just super nuts. And the kids definitely know that. So there's all kinds of acting up and acting out. So just know that and really just look at it through the lens of like, is this pandemic behavior or is this 
did this behavior exist before? And if it existed before, I can almost guarantee that it's going to, it's going to really peak. It's going to escalate any sort of bad behavior. Yeah. Another thing that I'm hearing consistently is kids are incredibly needy, especially for mom. And we're going to talk more about that in a minute, but just know that that's definitely on the list. First and foremost, you need to tell your child, no matter what they know, have seen or heard or don't know, you need to tell your child that they are safe and they are loved and you are taking care of them because that's what's at the root of all of this is under this anxiety is, am I safe? Because that's really all kids give a shit about, right? At this age is like, am I safe? Am I going to be safe? And it's a real primal thing. It's not even articulated as that, right? It's articulated as I'm going to hit you because I feel unsafe, right? (laughs) So that's how this works. So they're going to show shitty behavior because they feel unsafe, because they have anxiety. So your job is to do that huge emotional emotional swaddling. And you might want to go back to the boundaries episode and revisit that because we do want to keep boundaries during this time. There's a fine line happening here though, right? Because we want to also be more lenient, but we want that emotional swaddling. That's super duper key right now. So just be sure. A lot of times what we do is we do this sort of almost sneaky parenting. We're like, well, of course they're safe. They know they're safe. We think that by doing all the safe things that our kids know, but sometimes they just actually need to hear the words. In the learning how to be together, make sure that there's built in room for everyone to have time away and alone. So you can either have a strategy for when people start to get on each other's nerves. You know, you ring a bell, everybody goes to their rooms, or you can build this in and say, okay, from one to two, it's alone time for everybody. Let's go find something to do in our rooms. Yeah. You can also build in combination. So if you have like a family of four, mom, dad, and two kids, make sure that the siblings have time together. Each sibling has time with each parent alone. The parents have time together. So build in combinations. And I know your calendar is empty. So you could use your wall calendar or your whiteboard calendar to build in these combinations for your kids so they know what to expect. Another fabulous way to be together is to read together. So everybody gathers in one room and you allot 20 minutes or however long so that you're all reading together. This is magical. I don't know about you guys, but for me, reading a crappy fiction book, and I love like John Grisham. I like like courtroom drama or mystery and they're crappy. They're formulaic. But God, if I just sit down and read a fiction book, a crappy fiction book, just to read, I get recharged. So you guys can grab some time there. Yeah, we're right now we have to grab time. <laughs> I keep telling parents that I'm working with that you've got to imagine yourself as a phone battery without a charger. You can't find your charger and it's back ordered on Amazon <laughs> with toilet paper, right? So you have to learn how to make this battery last. We don't have our chargers. We don't get to go to the gym for an hour. We don't get to do those things. You know, God, there were all these little charging times that we had that we didn't even realize, like the kids are falling asleep in the car and you're getting to listen to your own music, all this stuff that we've now lost, right? So just, you know, know that you've got to make this battery last. And so it's about grabbing time when you can. And this reading together is fabulous. Also, as a side note, it's really great to see your kid, your kids to see you reading for pleasure and reading just for yourself. I discovered this as a homeschooler. I was always like so busy during the day and I would never read. And I always read, you know, when Pascal went to bed. And then I realized he wasn't, and he still isn't like this like voracious reader much to my chagrin, because <laughs> I am. But I realized that he 
he never saw me read for fun. It was always part of this like, okay, we got to sit down and read. It was never like, oh, I'm going to grab a book and a cup of coffee and cozy up to a book. So I started making time to model that behavior. So when you model reading for fun, your kids, it's a great thing for your kids. Learning to be together, touch, 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 touch. This is such a big topic. So one of the reasons kids are a little more needy now is that we do have limited touch. So if it feels like they're crawling up your ass every day and like all over you, they literally are craving touch. And one of the things I think we don't realize is how much touch we have in a day, how much hugging we might do with our friends, how much, you know, even shoulder rubbing or you ask somebody for something in the store and you touch their elbow. Like we, we're humans and we love touch for the most part. And if you think about kids and other kids and how touchy they are, your kids are missing out on a great deal of touch. So be sure that they're getting like, you know, not just snuggles, but like wrestling, whole body touch, roll them up in a blanket and give them a full body hug you know, pat them down, like do some compression on their arms and their legs. They need that full body touch. And I cannot overestimate or underestimate. I can't overestimate the importance. (laughs) I can't overstate. That's the word I'm looking for. I can't overstate the importance of wrestling right now. It's really important. It's a steam valve that you can blow off steam with your kid and your kid can blow it off and it can, they need that rough touch right now. It's very important. You as a person, make sure that you and your significant other are touching too. Like it's a huge component of what we're losing out on right now. All right, let's talk about big play because we have to We have to talk about big play now that the playgrounds are gone, right? So if you have trees on your property or access to trees, climbing trees is awesome. You can maybe turn one of your rooms into a huge, the floor is lava game. Listen, this is not the time to make sure your kids are sitting properly on the couch. They can flip over if their instinct is to do somersaults off of them. I encourage you to let them. This is one of those places where, yeah, it's good to have boundaries, but this is one of those places where it's good to loosen them because... This big play is so vital right now, and they're not getting that. I know everybody's going for walks. I know everybody's trying to get out, but without that playground and that climbing and that proprioception, vestibular movement that I talk about in my book, without that, you're going to get shitty behavior. You just are. You can map out obstacle courses. I've seen all kinds of really cool ones online where you have the kids climbing over even the kitchen table under the dining room table, climbing all over furniture, under furniture. It's really time to get creative as far as like rough play in the house. And if you're afraid that like your kids are just going to do that all the time and never rein it in, you know, you could set up an hour or so and be like, okay, now's the time for rough play. Let's take the cushions off the couch. Let's, you know, turn the furniture on its on its side and you can make it this really fun concrete time and then put it all back together. But that big play, it's that vestibular proprioceptive movement that is so key right now. And that's a huge component that's been taken away from us with playgrounds being closed. A really good exercise for everybody is ripping up recycling. So if you're like me, you probably have one or two or 10 Amazon boxes lying around. (laughs) We have egg cartons, cereal boxes, toilet paper rolls. Ripping up cardboard is so satisfying. And it really uses that arm energy that is used for pushing if it's not channeled properly, right? When your kid wakes up in a mood, in that mood, and you know, you know, they got their boxing gloves on, rip up the recycling. Very satisfying. And that big ripping motion. And especially if you can add some vocal quality to it, like, it can really like get your kid out of a mood or even mitigate the mood. So that's, that's really key. 
Okay. And now lastly, we really need to talk seriously about this. If one of the kids is really being needy with one of the parents, you guys have to team up and that parent has to walk out and take some time. And again, if you're a single parent, this might be where you have to throw on a video and walk out for like around the block, around the house, you know, but you have to take some time for yourself. And if you have two parents in the house, usually what I'm hearing is it's mom that the kids are being really needy for, but it can be dad. You guys got to support each other and that parent's got to walk out the door, go for a drive, listen to a podcast, listen to an audio book, but you've got to get a break. Okay. What's going to happen is if you don't, you're going to burn out. And you guys, this is looking like a longer haul than any of us thought. So I don't know, personally for me, I'm on the East Coast. I just think that, you know, our states for all intents and purposes are like little countries and not everybody's complying the same way. And so I feel like we're just going to have sweeps of this and it's going to go through the country like a wave and then come back. But I know there's been some chatter recently about this going through summer. So we have got to think about depression and burnout and aggression. And I know this is ugly. And I know that if you're listening to me, you're a good parent. Like, and I don't mean like you're listening to me. So you're a good parent, but you're in the upper echelon. You're listening to a parenting podcast. Like you care, you care about your parenting. You care about how you show up. And so I know you would never put yourself in this category, but depression can sneak up behind you and kick you in the ass. And I'm real nervous about this because I think it's like, we're, I don't think we're taking it seriously enough because I think we prepared for a couple of weeks of lockdown, not months and months. So what is this shit going to look like in six weeks when we're all doing the same thing every day, right? So we really, really, really have to be on guard for depression. And if you are trying to show up for your kids 100% and they are hanging off of you 100% of the time and being super needy for just you, you have to figure out a way to get a break. And sometimes that does mean just walking out the door or getting in the car and going for a small drive. And, and the parent at home can deal with the fallout and your children will be fine. I promise you. It is so imperative that we keep you in good condition. I also get very nervous about aggression. And I know that people are real nervous about these poor women and kids stuck in domestic violence situations. I know that the close quarters have brought that to the forefront. And again, I'm sure none of you guys put yourselves in these categories. But, you know, I've shared this story a lot. When Pascal was seven months, he went through this sleep regression. He was waking up every 20 minutes. I was single. I was waking up with him every 20 minutes. I was exhausted. I was frustrated. Everything brought me to tears during the day. And I had to sleep train him because I was so afraid that in my frustration, three or four in the morning when I'm totally strung out, I was so petrified that I would give him one big shake and and have baby, you know, shaken baby syndrome and really hurt his brain. I was petrified because that was so possible. I could see it happening. It was so possible. And I know before the pandemic, we were all working on Psycho Mom. I know that episode really resonated with a lot of people, you know, like let it, trying to be this like gentle, loving, show up mom during the day and forgiving too many misbehaviors so that eventually you're like, and you freak out on the kid. This is real. This is more important than anything right now is that aggression can come out in very strange ways. And so we want to keep our kids and ourselves really safe. And I don't think anybody's giving the mental health aspect of this as much consideration as the financial aspect or as, you know, 
the educational aspect is like, how can we not get depressed? And we're going to all start getting depressed. It's just the nature of the beast. And so please be sure you're getting out in the sunshine, getting your vitamin D, make sure you're doing some movement for your body, make sure you're eating fairly well, make sure you're sleeping, get to sleep, even if you need a, a Benadryl or something to go to sleep, because taking care of your mental health right now is key. And our kids need us to be taking care of our mental health. So don't try to be Wonder Woman during the day. Again, you don't have your usual chargers. So you got to pace yourself and you got to do what you need to do to take care of yourself. And I would way rather see you like walk away from a screaming child. I would much rather see you do that than try to weather it out and have something crop up and sort of whack you from behind either depression or aggression. So I think, again, that's just so important that we're not talking about. All of this stuff just has really unfolded so fast. And I know like we're getting new information every day. And again, one of the weird things is that early on, I listened to this scientist and he said, no, nah, you know, people are people are preparing for a corona blizzard. This is not a corona blizzard. And I loved that terminology because I live in New England. We know how to hunker down for a blizzard but that's three to five days. That is not three to five months, right? So, so what's happened is I think parents have like either not said anything to their kids or used some really broad terms with their kids, but they haven't really given them all the information, either because they feel they're too young or, you know, time has passed and who knows, we're just home by ourselves. So one of the things that I think is really important is that we talk about this. And so funny because I have a a friend who her daughter is five and she didn't think her daughter knew anything about coronavirus or whatever. And this was still when she was in school and she picked her up from school and she was like, you know what, honey, there's this thing going on in the world right now. And and the little girl piped up and she was like, oh, is it the coronavirus? Because blah, 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 blah. And the kid knew like everything about the coronavirus. So, you know, if your kid's been around other kids, they've, they've probably heard the word or as I saw online one kid said Corona Pirates, which makes a lot of sense for the three-year-old mind. But anyway, it's time to really talk about it with your kids in simple terms that they can understand because if this goes on into well into spring and summer, our kids are really going to be affected even if they're two or three and not articulating a whole lot. So in the show notes, I'm going to link you to a PDF. It is a brilliant way to talk about the coronavirus to kids. It's wonderful. It's been done by the lovely Manuela. Molina, and she can be found at www.mindheart.co and on Instagram at mindheart.kids. And she's done a wonderful job and she put this PDF out and it's available for public license. So that's very cool of her. And it's really the best resource I have found on talking about this with your kids. Okay, so now I want to talk about my long hiatus and what is happening from this point forward. And I know so many of you guys were like, what happened? I want more of the podcast. So if you listen to any podcast, you know, there comes a point in every single one of them when they have to take on advertisers. And, you know, this isn't to be greedy because doing a podcast and doing a podcast well, it actually takes a ton of energy, time and money. I did not know this when I started a podcast. I, like many before, I didn't really think too much about it and I really didn't even know if a podcast would land with with my people. I was like, let me, I don't know, let me throw this into the internet wind and see if it sticks. 
Oh boy, did it stick. It's been so joyful. The feedback you guys have given me has been so amazing because it's weird. It's it's kind of like, you know, it's like my books. You like create this. Guys, when I sat down to write, oh crap, potty training, it wasn't like I was like, oh wow, I would like to write the definitive guide on poop. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll write this book. And same thing with, oh crap, I have a toddler. But the podcast, you like literally create in a soundproof vacuum and you say like, I don't know if this is going to be helpful or if it will help people. And I, I love to help as many people as possible. So the fact that it has been just so tremendously helpful is, it's astounding to me. And I am super proud and I am super humbled. And so I thank you so much for all that feedback. But it turns out, so I wanted to open myself up to advertising, and I'm sure this isn't shocking to you. You do open yourself up to slime balls. Yeah, because there's so few products. And when you advertise on a podcast, they really want you to try the product and like talk about it. You know, you just don't want to be like, you guys should get this product that I haven't tried. They want you to talk about it in this like really intimate way that you love the product. And there's just so few products that I love and that I feel confident saying, I love this and you should too. And I tend to like like smaller mom and pop stuff. And those guys aren't in the advertising game and I share stuff on Instagram. So that wasn't great. The other thing with advertisers is that they start to get concerned about your content, right? And they start thinking maybe they have a say in your content. I think you guys know me well enough to know that I don't really give a fuck about what other people think, right? And I don't want anybody controlling my content. I want full creative control of my content. The other thing about podcasts and advertising is I hate them. I am an avid listener of podcasts and I get so irritated when in the middle they do an ad. And I know, I know it's to help them. I know it's to help support their team and to help support their work. So I listen to it, but I don't like them. So after much soul searching and internet searching, I landed on the decision to launch further seasons of this podcast on Patreon. And Patreon, in case you haven't heard of it, it's a paid platform. It's sort of a version of crowdsourcing. It goes back to the century-old notion of having patrons who are fans who support your work. So there are tiers of financial support in Patreon that come with various perks from me. So all my coaching is going to be available from there. But for as little as a dollar a month, you can support my work and get cool stuff from me, including the new podcast seasons. There is another reason for this decision, not just to support my time, my energy, and the money that goes into this podcast, but I am really exhausted by the whole internet. I think we all know Facebook is just a hole. It's a black hole of horribleness. <laughs> so I'm really trying to get away from Facebook. I'm really tired it's it's such a game that you have to play. You have to scrounge and ask for reviews all the time so you can stay relevant in the algorithm. I'm really tired of spending time and energy on the general populace who gets to say shitty things to me and then walk away. There's always that guy. More likely, it's a woman who's going to like rant and rave on my page. And I actually have to spend time and energy like arguing with somebody who may not even know or understand my work. And so... It's draining. I spend hours a day doing this. My assistant spends hours a day. And it's not that I don't want to engage because I, oh, I love engagement. I love engaging with my community. So the cool thing about Patreon is it's this own new way of communicating. It's self-contained. So we don't have to rely on Facebook. We don't have to rely on Instagram or email. It's like this whole contained platform. It's so awesome. I love this self-containment because it means I can nurture, love, and create content for and with you, my community. So we can have feedback. We can actually engage together. And that, to me, is 
really exciting. There's a link in the show notes, so you can head over to Patreon and check it out. If you have any questions, feel free to ask, because I know for a lot of people, it's a new platform. For me, I've been supporting other people on on Patreon, so I'm very familiar with it. But if you're not, it can be like, what the hell is this? So feel free to ask questions. And I am thrilled. I'm really excited because it's just going to pull my parenting community closer. And I love that. I think that's what we need right now, not this like, We're in a world where people are amplifying their message, but I really want to shrink it down. I want to shrink it down to my community, my people, the people who appreciate my work. And that way, again, we can create content that you need, that you value. And so it's going to be amazing. All right. I thought that was going to be a really long episode, but that was was kind of average, I guess. Yeah, we're at like 40 minutes. So thanks for sticking with me. I really hope you and yours are doing well during this pandemic. I hope you are staying safe and staying sane. Please prioritize yourself. Please do whatever you can to get breaks. You parents are the captain of the ship. If you go down, the whole ship goes down. I hope everyone in your extended family and friendships is also staying safe and sane. And uh, yeah, rock on you guys. All right. I'm going to sign off for today. You can always go to jamieglowacki.com for the super cool latest updates, including the launch of my new book, yummy new book presale treats, when we release new episodes, and how to work with me directly. And of course, if you need any potty training help, there's a handy link there that will take you to all my potty training resources, including all my courses. That's the Oh Crap Potty Training online course, my pooping solutions course, and my night training supplement. And if you need additional help, how to book with a certified OCRAP consultant. That's all at jamieglowacki.com. Have a beautiful day and rock on.